All this month, we've been making our way through Luke chapter 5. We began at the beginning of the chapter, at the beginning of the month, with Jesus' call to Simon the fisherman. And it was there when Jesus called Simon the fisherman to follow Him. In verse 11, we read, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. And so here we are near the end of the chapter, and Jesus calls Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, to come follow. Verses 27 through 27 and 28 in Luke chapter 5, and after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Simon pulls the boats to shore, leaves everything, and follows. Levi locks up his tax collecting booth, turns in his signet ring and his purse of money, and leaves everything and follows. We need to consider what that everything really is. What everything truly is. Because it's not just about boats and booths. It's everything. And for Levi, it's, it's not just his trade, it's his lifestyle. It's the protection he had from that Roman guard. And while Peter could return to his boats later and, and could go back to fishing, and in fact Peter did return to his boats and go back to fishing, there was no turning back for Levi. He could not go back. No going back, no turning back. But that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. Nothing stays the same. Everything changes. And part of that everything that changes has to be our attitudes about other people how we view other people, how we welcome other people, how we engage other people. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's difficult for us. I, I don't always do a good job of this, but I try, when I'm in a big gathering, I look for the person who's sitting alone. You know, In that big gathering, there's all these people there, you find that one person who's sitting alone, and I try to go over and I sit with that person. I don't always do a good job, but I try. And sometimes that's just a matter of sitting with somebody who doesn't know anyone else at the party. And that's, that's fun. You know, you get introduced to them. But sometimes, sometimes that's been going to, sometimes that's meant going to a family dinner and finding that one person who's sitting alone in a group that they belong to. Someone who's being made to feel like they don't belong. Being made to feel alone. Being subtly told you're not welcome here. So keep in mind, in this whole chapter, in all of chapter 5, all of these events, all of these events have happened around the same city, in the same community. They've all been happening around Capernaum. Peter was a fisherman from Capernaum. Levi is a tax collector in Capernaum. Who do you think Peter paid his taxes to? <laughs> that made for some interesting nights as the disciples were together. We get this idea that the apostles, you know, the twelve apostles, they were all best friends. You know, we get this idea, oh, they were all such great friends. They were good pals and they always got along with each other. Can you get 12 of your friends together and not have some personality conflicts? Can you get 12 people together and not have a few over here talking about the ones over there? Can you get three people together and not have personality conflicts? Can you get two? Eh, one if you're lucky. You got to wonder as you consider the relationships between some of these guys like Peter and, and Levi, 
when they were all together, who slept with one eye open? Uh, who felt a little uneasy when they were all together? And yet when Jesus called each of them to follow, they, they followed. Simon left everything. Levi left everything. But there's a difference between the story of Peter following Jesus at the beginning of this chapter and Levi here at the end. In Peter's story, the last thing that happens is that Peter leaves everything and he follows Jesus. But in Levi's story, that's the first thing that happens. The first thing that happens. It's not the conclusion. Following is not the point in the story of Levi. Instead, it builds up to what happens next. And there is a call here for us to look at ourselves and ask, when you and I decide to follow Jesus, what's next? Who do we go to next? The story continues in Luke chapter 5, picking up in verse 29. And Levi made him, that is, he made Jesus, a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Peter's story culminated in what he left behind to follow Jesus. But Levi's story culminates in a party. Just like Peter, Levi has left everything behind. But take note, this isn't about what Levi leaves. It's about who he holds on to. Hear verse 29 very carefully. Levi made a great feast in his house. He didn't invite Jesus over for dinner and drinks. He didn't invite Jesus over to meet his family. He didn't invite Jesus over just to network with a few friends. It's a great feast. There's lots of food. There's lots of wine. There's lots of music. There are people enjoying themselves. And there are also Pharisees here. Keep in mind, homes back then were, they were often large and open. Okay, Big open homes. Now, they didn't have any insulation in the walls, so everybody could hear what was happening on the inside. They didn't have any glass windows, and so everybody could see what was happening on the inside. Everybody could smell what was happening on the inside. And so there's this big party, and at the center of the house would be a big open area for entertaining guests. And there's Jesus at the center of the house, along with, along with a great company of tax collectors and, and others. They're all there at the center of the house. And then on the outside were those who were just kind of hanging on. You know, they're, they're watching and they're, they're, they're listening and they're trying to make their way into the conversations. There's a lot of people on the edges of these parties who are hoping that by being seen there, they might increase their social standing. They might increase their social standing because the people will know that they were there. And then on the outside of the party, on the outside of the, of the property, there would be the poor. Because the poor knew that there were probably going to be leftovers. There were probably going to be scraps, and they were there for the scraps. After all, it was, it was, a, it was a command in the Old Testament. It was, a, it was an act of obedience for Jews to give their leftovers from a feast to the poor. They, had to, they were expected to do that. That was a sacred duty to share the food that they had left over with the poor. So who's at the center of the party? Jesus. 
and a large company of tax collectors and others. Verse 30, the Pharisees tell us who the others are. The Pharisees who, by the way, the Pharisees who are on the outside in this party, the Pharisees tell us who the others are. They say they are sinners. These Pharisees are on the outside with the hangers-on and with the poor. They're watching. The Pharisees were watching, not waiting for scraps. They were watching to sit in judgment. They were watching for violations of the rules. You didn't wash your hands before you ate that. That's a violation. You you didn't ask for a blessing. You didn't say a blessing over that wine before you poured it. That's a violation. That doesn't look kosher. What you're eating over there, I don't think that's clean. That's a violation. I heard somebody curse. I heard somebody say a curse in there. That's what the Pharisees are looking for as they're milling around. And there in the middle, in the heart of it all, is Jesus and the worst of the worst tax collectors. I think it's really hard for us to wrap our brains around just how hated tax collectors were in that society and why they were hated. I mean, we hate paying taxes, right? I mean, we don't, we don't like that. But to understand tax collectors, there's really no comparison in our world. The Roman government was oppressive. The Roman government was oppressive with, with their treatment of the Jews, with the taxes. They kept their foot on the, on the throats of the Jewish people. But they needed those who were part of the community to collect the taxes that were owed to the Roman government. And so they needed people who would sell out their own and serve Rome. And that's what Levi did. Levi sold out his own people. And he would take the money from them and he would give it to the Romans in service to Rome, in service to Rome's gods, in service to the emperor who was considered a god to the Romans. Levi was a traitor. The, 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 the rabbis of those days referred to tax collectors as gangsters and traitors. They were hated. They were despised. They were written off as the worst of the worst. They were lost. But look who Levi invites to his party. A large company of tax collectors and others. Why did he invite them? Because these were the people that he knew. These were the people he worked with. If Levi had any friends, it was going to be people who, who were suffering the, uh, the, the same uh, abuse as him. The, the, the ones that were suffering uh, the, the same disdain as, as he was. He knew their hearts. He knew their needs. And so while Levi leaves everything behind, he does not leave those relationships. Not even with with people that others would write off as lost, as, as hopeless, as worthless. And instead, he throws a party for Jesus and he invites the people who needed Jesus the most. If you threw a party for Jesus, who do you think you'd invite? Would you invite your preacher? Would you invite your, your favorite Sunday school teacher that you had growing up? Would you invite your favorite Sunday school teacher? Would you invite the respected members of the community? Would you invite the influential? Would you invite people who already knew Jesus? Or would you invite people who needed Jesus? People who needed to know Him. People whose hearts you already knew. People who had been with you to the worst places. People who knew your darkest side. And see what Levi knew, what Levi immediately knew when he chose to follow Jesus 
was that there were people like him who needed Jesus as well. And so he threw a party. Not just a party, though. You see, there is a mission in this meal. There is a mission to this meal. The Pharisees, the the scribes, the rabbis, they all thought of tax collectors as gangsters and traitors. But you know, you read all the way through the Gospel of Luke, and Luke never presents tax collectors in a bad light. He never shows tax collectors as the bad guys. Instead, if you if you go back to Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is out there baptizing people. Who comes out to be baptized? The tax collectors. Chapter 3, verse 12, tax collectors come to be baptized. Later on in, in chapter 15, verse 1, Luke tells us that tax collectors were coming near to hear Jesus. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus tells a story about two men that went up to the temple to pray, one of them being a Pharisee, the other one being a tax collector. And in verse 10, when the tax collector prays, he beats his breast and he says, God, forgive me. I am a miserable sinner. A chapter later, in Luke chapter 19, a tax collector comes to Jesus. His name is Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. Right? Zacchaeus isn't just a tax collector. Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. He was probably Levi's boss. Zacchaeus, like Levi, invites Jesus to his home for a meal. They sit at the table together. And at the end of the story, Jesus says of Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today for this man is a true son of Abraham. Over and over again, all the way through the Gospel of Luke, Luke shows us just how desperately tax collectors need Jesus. He shows us that tax collectors are just like us. And so Levi breaks the rules. He breaks the rules about who you should and shouldn't invite to dinner. He breaks down the social boundaries built around who you can and can't eat with. And he invites the people who needed Jesus the most. And based on everything that Luke tells us, these were the people who wanted Jesus the most. They wanted to come to Him. They were desperate for Him. They were desperate to know that they were loved. That they were included. I've preached a lot of sermons. I've heard a lot of sermons. I think I've heard more sermons than I've preached. I'm not really sure at this point. And I believe those messages are important. So much more can take place around a table. So much more can take place around a table with with a group of people with some food between you. A group of friends, some old friends, some new friends. Somehow we sit down at a table, we put food between us, and and we start serving each other. We let our guards down, and suddenly we start engaging with each other. We start to hear things a little clearer. We start to have permission to say things in a deeper way, more direct way. And suddenly, it's not just coffee. It's not just lunch. It's not just dinner. It's not just breakfast. But but suddenly, it's a mission. There's a mission in that meal. And so there they all are. (laughs) Jesus and the tax collectors there in the center. The disciples a little further out. 
and the Pharisees out there on the outside. Now I want you to remember, if you go back up to verse 17, the story of the healing of the paralytic, in verse 17, these aren't just your run-of-the-mill Pharisees. These are the extra-special Pharisees. Look at verse 17. Uh, on one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. These were big city Pharisees. These were capital city Pharisees. They'd come down to, to hear Jesus out and they'd come, out to, come down really to straighten Him out. They wanted to straighten out Jesus. They got questions. But they've seen Jesus. And you know in that previous story where, where Jesus healed the paralytic, Jesus knew what they were thinking before they spoke. He was able to, to read their thoughts. And, so, and then they watched Him. They watched Him heal. They, they watched Him forgive that man. And so you notice verse 30. The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at His disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Who did they grumble at? The disciples. Not Jesus. Jesus is beyond their hope. But they might still be able to straighten out these boys who are following Him. They might still be able to correct them. Jesus is beyond their help. And so they asked the disciples, why would you go to a party like this? Why would you hang out with people like that? People who are despised. People who are vile. People who would sell their own people out. Why would you go to a party with those people? Many years ago, I've shared a few times about this in the past, but many years ago, Trish and I were in a a difficult ministry in a difficult church. We were in a difficult ministry in a difficult church. A church that had a history of firing preachers long before I got there. And they've continued to have that history long after I left there. And after a while, it became my turn. And, and suddenly there were meetings that I wasn't invited to. There were secret meetings taking place around secret tables. I wonder what Luke would say about secret tables and secret meetings. These meetings were about me and about how I wasn't doing my job. A friend of mine was at those meetings though, and that's the thing about secret meetings. Everybody's got to know it's a secret meeting. You know that? If you're going to have a secret meeting, everybody has to know it's a secret meeting. And my friend was there, and when it was all over, he sent me, he sent me his notes from the meeting. And in those notes was the list of complaints that they had about me about how I wasn't doing my job. One of those complaints, I think it was the third on the list, one of the complaints about how I wasn't doing my job was this. The people in town really like Brett. That was a complaint. The people in town really like him. You know what? I, I like the people in town too. I sat down with them and I had lunch with them. I had coffee with them. I had dinner with the people. Sometimes the people in town invited me to their parties. They didn't have secret meetings. <laughs> I talked with them. I, I ate with them. I, I was invited to their parties. You know, there ought to be a few people in your life. There ought to be a few people in your life that cause other people to ask, why are you friends with them? You know, you ought to have some friends like that. And if you don't, well, they've got you, right? <laughs> Maybe you're that friend for them. 
Why are you friends with them? Do you know what that person's done? Do you know what they're saying about that person? Because those kind of people need you. And when you engage Jesus, you will engage those who need Him the most. I'll remind you again, as I did earlier, Luke talks about the table more than any other Gospel, more than any other book of the New Testament. The table is where Jesus engages people. He encounters them out on the road. He calls them to follow Him. And then He sits down at the table and He engages them. He hears them. He gets to know them. His call, He calls Levi to follow in verse 28, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. But then it's as though Jesus says, wait a minute, uh, bring your table with you. Bring your friends. I need to meet them. They need to meet me. And so verse 30, the Pharisees grumble at the disciples. You heard that word grumble, right? Have you noticed that nothing good ever happens when someone grumbles in the Bible? Have you noticed that? Nothing good ever comes from grumbling in the Bible or anywhere else for that matter. The Pharisees grumble at the disciples, but it's Jesus who answers. I think there might be a lesson in that. When people grumble at us, we ought to let Jesus answer. When people grumble about what we're doing, we ought to let Jesus answer. Let His love answer their grumblings. Let, uh, let His character answer their grumblings. Let His heart, let His mission answer their grumblings. Let the fruit in your life be the answer. Verses 31 and 32. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now here, verse 32. I have come to call the sinners to repentance. That is the mission. This isn't Jesus, uh, this isn't Jesus eating with people and saying, hey, don't go changing to try to please Me. I love you just the way you are. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's not saying you're fine, you're perfect just the way you are. But do not hear verse 32, that call to repentance, without verse 31. They need Me. Without Me, they are sick. Their sin has made them sick. They are hurting. They are suffering. They are dying without Me. I'm not here to gloss that over. I'm not here to tell them they're fine. I'm here because they need Me. You know, immediately after our passage today, in fact, if you go on down to verse 33, everything that happens from verse 33 to verse 39, it's still happening at the party there. But immediately after the passage we're looking at, Jesus gets questioned about fasting. They start asking him questions about fasting. But hear the heart of the question. The heart of the question is how does this message of forgiveness that you're presenting around a table, how does this message of forgiveness impact the way you practice your faith the way you live out your faith because you see their faith said you don't eat with people like that you don't go to a table with tax collectors you don't go to the table with sinners because they will pollute you they will ruin you they will make you unclean and so jesus responds in this passage and and part of that response is a quote that i i'm sure most of you have heard before it's it's a difficult quote for us to understand Verse 37, Jesus says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. And what he's saying is, you cannot hold on to that old 
rigid mindset of yours and accept this new wine that I'm serving, that I'm pouring into you. Because if you hold on to that old rigid mindset about who's welcome and who's not, about who you can eat with and who you can't, it will shatter you. It will blow your mind. It will break you. And then we get into chapter 6. In chapter 6, Jesus preaches a sermon. We're going to look at chapter 6 next month. It's a sermon all about what it means to be blessed. What it means to, to love our enemies. How do you not judge others? How do you pour this new wine into new wineskins? How do you live out your faith in such a way that you engage the people who need Jesus the most? Did you hear what Jesus said to Peter at the end of the video clip when Peter said, why are you inviting Him? He says, well, I invited you. Yeah, but that's different. And Jesus said, get used to different. Next month, get used to different. That's where we're going next month. That's where we need to go. If we're going to understand the call, follow me. Well, follow me where? Follow me to whom? Follow me for what purpose? It's not a call just to go along. It's a call to be different. There are people in our lives who are desperate for Jesus. And it may just be that the only way they get to meet Him is by knowing us, by sitting down with us, by sharing a meal with us. The only way they're going to know His love is through the way that we love them. Many years ago, Tony Campolo wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. <laughs> the Kingdom of God is a Party. And in that book, he tells a story about flying to Hawaii. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Flying to Hawaii? You want on board today? Tony flew to Hawaii and suffered from some really bad jet lag. And so he found himself at 2.30 in the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning, he found himself downtown looking for a place to get a cup of coffee because he couldn't sleep. 3.30 in the morning, he was, he was in a, a little diner there in Hawaii, sitting there at the booth or sitting there at the counter, uh, drinking a cup of coffee and eating a donut. And at 3.30 in the morning, a group of nine prostitutes walked in. Their shift was over. And they'd come in for breakfast before going home. said it was a really small diner and it was cramped. And so they're all around him. They're sitting all around him. He said they were loud. They were crude. They were vile. They were broken. They were hurting. They were lost. He said there was one prostitute. Her name was Agnes. Do you know the name Agnes means holy? what Agnes means. It means holy. Agnes was sitting there. Agnes said, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39 tomorrow. And one of the other prostitutes said, yeah, well, what of it? What do you want? A birthday cake? Do you want us to throw you a party? And Agnes said, I've never had a birthday party. I've never had a birthday cake. I wouldn't know what to do with one now. The ladies drank their coffee, ate their breakfast, and left. And Tony Campolo was still sitting there at the counter. He turned to the owner and said, are they regulars? And the guy said, oh yeah. They're here every night. And he said, did you hear that one, Agnes? Tomorrow's her birthday. And the guy said, what of it? He said, we ought to throw her a birthday party. She's never had a birthday party. 
The guy says, that's a great idea. Called his wife in from the kitchen. He said, we're going to make the cake. We'll make the cake. You get the decorations and the streamers and everything else. You get the candles. We'll make the cake. So the next night at 3.30 in the morning, nine prostitutes walk into this diner and there's Tony Campolo with the owner shouting, Happy Birthday! And there's a big banner and there's decorations and there's a cake. And they all started singing for Agnes. Agnes was blown away. She sat on her stool sobbing as they sang. And they brought her the birthday cake with its 39 candles on it. And she burst into tears. And she blew out the candles. And Agnes said, do we have to eat it now? I've never had a birthday cake. Could I take it home just for a little while? Could I just take it home and look at it? And so he said, yeah, you take it home. So Agnes walked out of the diner with her birthday cake. Everybody was quiet. They were stunned. And finally, Tony Campolo spoke up and said, you know what, let's pray. And so they all prayed. They prayed for Agnes. They prayed for her salvation. They prayed that her life would change and that God would be good to her. And when he, when he said amen, when he finished, the guy behind the counter said, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. And he said, what kind of church do you go to? And Tony said, I go to the kind of church that throws a birthday party for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the, the guy behind the counter said, no you don't. Because there isn't a church like that. If there was a church like that, I would go to it. I would join it. How many people do we know who want a church like that? Who need friends like that? How many people do we know that need a Savior like that? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What do your friends who don't go to church, what do they know about you? What do your friends that don't go to church know about you? If all they know is what you don't do, if all they know is where you won't go, do they know that they can still count on you? Do they know that they can trust you? That you do they know that you'll look out for them? That once in a while you might even invite them to a table? You might even invite them to a party? And at the very least, you'll sit at a table with them and you will engage them? That you will hear them and that you will hear their hearts? Someone you know needs a party. At the very least, they need you at a table with them. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we all have friends who desperately need to know Your Son. Now, they may not be like Agnes, but they need to know that they're valuable. They need to know they're loved. They need to know that they can be forgiven. They need to know that they are worth inviting to the party, and they are worth celebrating. They're worth throwing a party for. And so this week, I just want to ask, Lord, that, that You put those people who are on Your Son's heart, put them on our hearts, and let us love them as Jesus has shown us how to love people through the way that He's loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.